Amen. Let us turn together in God's precious word uh, to Hebrews, Paul's letter to the Hebrews, and the chapter 2. Reading from Hebrews and the chapter 2. And we're going to commence our reading at the first verse. The letter to the Hebrews, the chapter 2. And we'll hear God's word as we read together from the opening verse. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak but one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren." saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. Amen. We land there at verse 13. May the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. Turning together in God's Word to Hebrews and the chapter 2, we've read a section from this chapter, verse 1 through to verse 13. As I have mentioned already, my title this evening is The Captain of Salvation. 
And so if you have been following in the Bible reading, you will know tonight that my text is verse 10. And just looking there in Hebrews chapter 2 and the verse 10, and it says, For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. You can see the words in verse 10, the captain of their salvation. That's the thought that I want us to consider in the gospel tonight, the captain of salvation. Let's unite together in a word of prayer, and we ask the Lord for help and for grace in the ministry of his word. Our gracious and our loving Father, we do thank thee tonight that we can come together in the Saviour's great name. and We rejoice, our Father, in thy goodness and mercy that even finds us here gathered. And We thank thee, our Father, for thy precious word, and we rejoice that thy word is truth. We thank thee that thy word is quick and powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. We pray tonight as we would come to meditate upon this thought, this wonderful title that is before us, the captain of our salvation. We pray, our Father, that each one might even know the voice of God to their heart and that thy children would be encouraged in the Lord their God and those who would be outside of the Savior might be irresistibly drawn to close in with thine offer of mercy. Father, hear us in heaven, thy dwelling place, and visit us tonight in this gospel meeting. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. The book of Hebrews brings before us that great dilemma within the heart of the Jew. That dilemma concerned Christ and the gospel. How could they accept him as the promised Messiah if he suffered and bled and died upon a Roman cross? That was the dilemma in the heart of the Jew. The Jews had looked and hoped for the promised Messiah to come, but the Messiah that they expected was one that would come to set up his kingdom, one who would come to set up his throne upon this earth, one who would come to deliver them from their enemies and to defeat their enemies, one who would come to rule and to reign upon the earth. And so the thought for them of a crucified Savior was something that they greatly struggled with. It was something that they could not comprehend. They were puzzled within their hearts and their minds that he who came and claimed to be the promised Messiah, that he would be taken and nailed to the cross of Calvary. It was just something that they could not fully comprehend. They could not reconcile that thought. Therefore, some of them were beginning to drift back. And some of them were drifting back to the old ways, drifting back to the old ceremonies, 
the old religious rites of Judaism, dropping back into the Old Testament economy. And therefore the apostle will write to them here, this letter to the Hebrews, to the Jewish people, those who could not reconcile the thought of a crucified Savior, and he would seek to give them the answer in the letter to the Hebrews. And he would set out before them, and he would explain to them that the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ were absolutely vital and were absolutely necessary if the soul was ever to be saved. And our text of Scripture tonight is really a summary of that message. And it commences with those words, For it became him. In other words, this was something that was fitting for the Lord Jesus Christ. This was something that was appropriate. This was something that was necessary for him to do. It became him. In the end of the verse, it says, through sufferings. And so it became him through sufferings. The sufferings of Calvary were all part of God's plan and God's purpose. It was all part of the great mission of the Lord Jesus Christ coming into this world. And in setting forth the work of Christ in the gospel, the apostle is referring to the Savior with this particular title. And he says he's the captain. He's the captain. The captain of their salvation. And as I read that, that title gripped me. And I began to think about that particular title that's assigned to the Savior. He's designated here the captain of their salvation. And that's a wonderful title to consider in the gospel. Each of our lives, they're like little vessels. And there we are, out on the great ocean of life. And our little vessels are seeking to make it to the other shore. But oh, while we're out in that great ocean of life, there can be many a storm that we encounter. There can be many a wave of affliction and many's a wave of sorrow that will come across our little vessel. And we can feel at times we're being tossed there by the elements. At times we can feel the danger that we're in. We need one to guide us. We need one to direct us. One to bring us safely to the other shore. And I say tonight, we need a captain. And here is the captain of salvation. And I want you to think about the captain of salvation tonight. That captain is Jesus Christ. And as we explore that thought for just a few moments together, the thought of the captain, I want you to think firstly about the authority of the captain. 
That title there, Captain, well, it's really a military title. It's really a title that is used there in in military circles. And it's a rank there of military service, and we could think about our own British forces. And you could think about the army and, and think about the air force, and they have that rank of captain. But that rank of captain, the British Army or the Royal Air Force, it's not the highest rank. There are other ranks above the rank of captain. There's colonel, brigadier, and general. There are ranks that go above the rank of captain. And even when you think about the Royal Navy, they have the rank of captain, but again, it's not the highest rank. There are various ranks above that. There's an admiral. Then there's a chief admiral. And so if you were familiar with those various ranks, that title and that term captain would really lose its force to us today. Because if we thought about the captain, we would say, well, there are still ranks above the captain. But when you come to the Word of God in Bible times and in the context here of Hebrews and then this verse of Scripture, a captain was the one who held the highest of all ranks. That's the captain that's in view here. It's the position of supremacy. It's the position of power and of authority. And everyone would have understood here what the apostle was referring to when he spoke about the captain of their salvation. He was speaking about the supreme commander. There's no one above this rank. We could perhaps understand it better in relation to a ship. Every ship has a captain. And everything and everyone upon that ship is under the captain. The captain is the one who is in control. The captain is the one who gives out the commands. He's the one in charge. You think about it in relation to the aeroplane. Maybe you would be anxious about flying, but you get onto the aeroplane there and you sit down and you fasten your seatbelt and then the intercom will come on and you'll hear those words, this is your captain speaking. They can be reassuring words because you know the captain is the one who is in control. That's the thought here in this verse of Scripture. The captain of their salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ, he's the one who is in supreme control. There is no one above the Lord Jesus Christ here. In fact, when you look at verse 10, it says, For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things. All things, you see, are under his control. By whom are all things? In other words, all things consist. All things exist because of him. The Lord Jesus Christ is the creator. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And without him, 
was not anything made that was made. By him, all things consist. He's the great creator. He's over all of his creation. And by him, all things consist. And then it says, for whom are all things. In other words, all those things are by him and all those things are for him. They were created by him for his glory. And we can say tonight he's the captain of his creation and he's the captain of salvation. That captain. It's interesting to note that the word translated captain in our text of Scripture, it only occurs four times in the New Testament. Here's one occasion in Hebrews 2 and the verse 10. But if you were to go further over in the letter to the Hebrews to the chapter 12, and there in chapter 12 and the verse 2, it's speaking again about the Savior. Hebrews 12 and 2 says, Looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And do you see the word there, author? That's the exact same word that's translated captain. And so the captain is the author. In other words, he's the very source and he's the origin. Whether it's to do with creation, whether it's to do with her faith, He's the captain of her faith. He's the author of her faith. He's the originator. He he is the giver. Another occasion whenever this word appears in the New Testament is in the book of Acts. And it's here, the chapter 3. And in Acts chapter 3, it's translated in a different way. In Acts 3 and the verse 15. And we read, and killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And again, it's a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is called here the prince of life. And that term prince is the exact same word. It's translated captain. It's translated author. It's translated prince. And it gives you something there of the scope of the meaning of that particular term and title. And here it's in relation to life. He's the prince of life. The author of life, the captain of life. Acts chapter 5, you have the fourth reference to this particular word in the New Testament that's here in the verse 31. And it's translated uh, the same way as Acts chapter 3, but Acts 5 and 31. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior. And there again, it's that term prince, but here it's linked with him being the savior. He's exalted to the right hand of God, a prince and a savior. Four occasions. Twice. It's translated prince, prince of life, a prince and a savior. Once it's translated author, he's the author of her faith. And once it's translated captain in Hebrews 2 and the verse 10, our text of scripture. And it's showing us there the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the idea being that the savior each time has all the authority. 
and he has all the power with reference to the salvation of the soul. And truly we could say salvation is of the Lord. He's the prince of life. He's the author of faith. And he's the captain of salvation. The authority of the captain. But looking again at our text of Scripture this evening, I want you to see, secondly, the accomplishment of the captain. And in verse 10, we can read there about the Savior, the captain of their salvation, bringing many sons to glory. And that's what our captain accomplishes for us. He's bringing many sons to glory. The aim and the object of the captain is to lead his people to victory. And that's what any captain is to do in the military sense, to give that leadership to be able to defeat the adversary and to defeat the enemy. And the Savior, the captain of salvation, he has accomplished just that. And he's well deserving of this title. He's the captain that will lead his people to victory. But again, the end of this verse, it says, through sufferings. He's going to bring many sons to glory. He's going to lead his people to victory, but it will be through sufferings. You see, he entered the battle. He entered the battle there with the adversary of souls, and that battle took him to Calvary's cross, and there he would suffer upon that center tree. There he would pour out his precious blood unto death through sufferings. But through sufferings he would accomplish all that was necessary to the salvation of the soul. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. What a captain he is. What he has accomplished there in the salvation of the soul. To make the captain of their salvation perfect. You could read that text of scripture and it could almost imply that there was some imperfection there. Was there an imperfection in the captain of our salvation? No, we would want to emphasize there's no such suggestion of any moral imperfection with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who is without sin. The perfecting here is in relation to his work. The work which he would accomplish on behalf of his people that great work in accomplishing salvation through sufferings. The word perfect means complete. And therefore, the work in the salvation of the soul is a complete work. It's a perfect work. It's a finished work. The Lord Jesus Christ has finished and perfected that work to the glory of God to the salvation of his people. If your Bible's open at Hebrews, turn over to Hebrews chapter 5 and look down that chapter to the verse 9. And it says, And being made perfect, he became the author 
of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, being made perfect. He became the author of eternal salvation. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ, in accomplishing that work, in finishing that work, in completing that work, he has purchased eternal salvation. And in Hebrews chapter 7, you can see that word appearing again in the verse 19. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. And here we can see that there is that better hope. There is that work that the Savior has accomplished. It's not through the law. It's through the shedding of his precious blood we have that better hope. The Savior could look to the Father in John 17 and he could say, I have glorified thee on the earth. I've finished the work. Finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And with regard to the sinner in the Lord Jesus Christ, you could look there to Hebrews chapter 10 and to the verse 14. It says, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. And the perfect work that the Lord Jesus Christ has accomplished brings us a perfect and an eternal salvation. And we are made perfect only in and through the Saviour. He's the captain, and he's the captain who leads his people to victory, the victory of Calvary. He's the captain who leads his people to victory. It will be the victory in glory, the triumph of the Christian is the triumph of the one who is our captain. There's an interesting occurrence in the Old Testament in the book of Joshua and it's the chapter 5 of Joshua. And there it is just by Jericho before the children of Israel would get the victory at Jericho. They're there beside that particular city. And in Joshua chapter 5 and the verse 13, listen to what it says. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him, with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? In verse 14 he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. The captain of the host of the Lord appeared to Joshua there beside Jericho. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And there the appearance of the one who said he was the captain of the Lord's host. It's accepted that it's what's called in theology a Christophany. An Old Testament appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there he is appearing to Joshua. And he's appearing with the sword in his hand. And when Joshua asks him who he is, he said, I'm the captain of the Lord's host. 
And in Joshua 5 and 15, And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. And so he's identified as the captain of the Lord's host. It's an appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he would give Joshua and his people the victory in Jericho. And that's a picture for us this evening of what the captain of the Lord's host does for us. The captain of our salvation. He's able to give us that victory, the victory that he purchased for us at Calvary. And he's able to lead us to the victory in heaven itself. We'll triumph with the Lord. You see tonight why Paul said he's the captain the captain of their salvation. And so we think about the Savior here as the captain, the authority of the captain, the accomplishment of the captain. But my final thought tonight is the acceptance of the captain. And in all that we have said tonight about the captain, I have to say to you, you must accept him as your captain. You must make him your captain tonight. You must put the Lord upon the throne of your heart to be the captain of your salvation. The problem is that the soul outside of Christ, they want to be their own captain. And they want the world to be their prince of life. And the soul that's outside of Christ, they want to be the author of their own destiny. Do you know the danger is of shipwreck? That little vessel out in the midst of life's ocean, the danger is shipwreck. And the danger is shipwreck in eternity. Though tonight you need the Lord to be your captain, and you need to accept him as your own and personal saviour. Another beautiful story over in 1 Samuel in the chapter 22. And it's an episode in the life of David. And David was there in the cave Adullam. And if you are familiar with 1 Samuel chapter 22, you know that there were those who heard that he was in the cave Adullam, and they began to gather themselves onto David. And it tells us that those who were distressed came to David. And those who were in debt came to David. And those who were discontented came to David. And in 1 Samuel chapter 22, it tells us in the verse 2 that he became a captain over them. He became a captain over them. Those who were distressed and in debt and discontented, they realized that they needed a captain. And they were looking to David. And David, who is the man after God's own heart, who is a wonderful type of the Lord Jesus Christ, he became a captain over them. And they were saying, Thine are we, David, and on thy side, thou son of Jesse. The lesson and the message from that episode is that each soul, those who perhaps are 
distressed in this old sinful world, those who realize their debt of sin before Almighty God, those who are discontented with all that this world has to offer, they can come to the one who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord has promised to become our captain. And we can say, Thine are we, Jesus, and on thy side, thou Son of God. I would urge upon you tonight, if you have never come to the Saviour, that tonight you would accept him as your Saviour. You would make him the captain of your life. And the Lord is able to lead you not only through life, but even over death. And he's able to lead you into that glorious victory. You think of it tonight. All the trials and troubles of life. The little chorus sums it up well with Christ in the vessel. We can smile at the storm as we go sailing home. You make him your captain tonight. Robert Louis Stevenson was from Scotland. He was a poet and a writer, but he was the one who told that experience in the ship in the midst of the storm. Those who were below deck were in great fear and they feared that the ship was going to be dashed on the rocks and that they would all be lost at sea and there was a great fear that spread right throughout those below deck but one man decided he would go up on deck and as he went up onto the deck he looked at the captain the captain who had his hands firmly on the helm of the ship. The captain saw him, and knowing why he was there, the captain smiled at him. That man went back down below deck, and he said, All will be well, for I saw the face of the captain, and he smiled. Do you see tonight the face of the captain? Thank God and all of the Struggles that life would throw at us, how good it is to be able to look into the face of our captain, to know the smile of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to know that all, all will be well. Thank God tonight for the captain of salvation. May the Lord bless his word to each of our hearts this evening.